Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. The truth is, I don't think about you. I don't see your face in every stranger on the street. Maybe April, our featured artist of the week. Um, again, these ladies uh, are people that we love, and which is why we're having them on. Um, but hi, Carl, and hi, Greg. How are you Hello. guys doing today? Hello. Hey, Nicole. Happy, Happy Mother's, Mother's Day, Day, by the way, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to your wife, too, Greg. Um, it is a very special day for everyone. Is this, is this your second Mother's Day? This is my second Mother's Day, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. What did, what did Kenzie get you? <laughs> um, she she gave me a nap, so that's good. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I heard maybe she she's working on giving you that gift of potty training, right? We're working on it. It mm. is it is a tried and true long long game that we're playing right now. We're not trying to get it done super quick, but we're almost there. Getting back to the to maybe April and I love them. They were they did a campaign with uh, Ben Twango a few few years back. I think they're ready to to break. You know they're they have great songs and you know they're heartfelt. They're great live too. They they play all over. So I see good things for them. They're probably one of my favorite artists that I had the opportunity to work with before I took my maternity leave. 
not just because of their personality, but their sound, the way that they're able to create the harmonies together. I mean, to me, it just always gives me like the goosebumps on my arms every time I hear them play. No, it's To me, it's clever lyrics. It's uh, good harmonies. Americana meets kind of there's some Dixie Chicks in there, some, you know, a whole bunch of different elements. It's it's really just good stuff. You know, I, I think it's really wonderful. You know, I think there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of acts out there that are, as you say, ready. I absolutely would count them as part of that group. I think that... Um, Plus, they're nice. Yeah, they're good They're folks, nice you know? people. That's, that's huge. Did you say Katie just started a, a clothesline or a clothing she line? She did. So with all this COVID crisis craziness that is happening, um, because she lives in Indiana and Elena, who is the other half of the duo, lives in Nashville, they obviously haven't been doing a lot. They haven't been touring. They haven't been doing the usual stuff. So... Um, Halfway through April, Katie took it upon herself to kind of create this lifestyle and apparel line called Music Pays My Rent to help just bring in some sort of an income. Um, and 10% of the profit actually goes to Music Cares because she wants to make sure that she's still able to support other artists who may not have been able to like start something like this. Very cool. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I hear uh, an act that I think, man, that's cool. And I don't necessarily think there's something missing, but I do think that they're quotes ready. And I think um, I think they they could garner a, a much larger audience. And I, I'm always trying to rack my brain as to what, what's the what's the missing piece for right now for an artist. And I think I've come to the conclusion that a lot of times it's producer. I mean, what do you think of that opinion uh, that it takes a producer that it, that gets it totally 100% somebody to I think that's a major component of any act. I think it's like it's like a relationship. It's like meeting the right partner or anything or you know, it's like doing what you do but then finding the people or the right person who could take what you do and bring it to tape or capture it in a recording so you know people can get it. But yeah, I think that's a big component. I think the role of producer has changed so much. I mean, there, we went through a period of time, you know, there, there are all the iconic producers that are kind of vibe guys, you know, and they relied upon the engineers, but they were really concerned with the vibe of the tracks and, you know, how people were working in the studio. And then you, there was a long period of time where the engineers effectively became the producers. Right. And, you know, they were responsible for, you know, getting the sounds. So they were like, you know, hey, Here's the sound in my head. What do you think of this? And they ended up producing a lot of amazing records. And then maybe the last, I don't know, 10 years, maybe it's kind of come back around and maybe artists are looking for that producer that are more concerned with their performance than... Maybe not so much in country, but I think probably a lot more than we realize is that it's become a team now. It's no longer, you know, it used to be the engineer and then a producer. And then it became the engineer was the producer. They did both. Now it's like these teams of like the, the software guy, the, the the digital music MIDI guy and, uh, you know, the programmer. And then uh, there's like five guys, like these production teams that are making these records and they almost become the artists. I think that's a problem with a lot of music today. Today, I can, almost can't tell the difference from certain Taylor Swift records, Katy Perry records, Lady Gaga. Gaga Records, Rihanna Records, you know, they all sound the same. They all they're have that highly, same. highly produced. But that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you know. Oh, they're I mean, great sonic sounding records. Yeah, but, sound, yeah. but, but to me, the artist has become more the secondary. It's like the production has become the forefront. You know, you mentioned Taylor. Here's, here's an interesting tidbit. So how many podcasts have we done? We've done a few. This and is our Taylor, fifth. Taylor Swift 
seems to come up in every single podcast. And I'm, and I'm not quite sure why, because the three of us have heard thousands and thousands of albums. And, you know, I'll confess, I haven't, you know, spent a great deal of time with Taylor Swift's records. But the fact of the matter is her name comes up in every single podcast. And maybe maybe we should explore that. And I think part of it is the idea that the records she's making or that are being made on her behalf, they are state-of-the-art records. Right. I mean, I think that's part of it. So, and, and I actually thought about, I was listening to maybe April uh, earlier today, and I thought to myself, if Taylor Swift cut these tracks, or, or rather if she cut these songs, they'd be a smash. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, you know, you tell yourself, it's like, okay, I get this song. This song's cool. The song speaks to me. This is a good song. So what's missing? You know, the go-to is, well, they don't sound like Taylor Swift record. Those are state-of-the-art albums and, and Katy Perry records too, you know, uh, Pink records. I, uh, my daughter and I were driving around the other day and we were listening to like 15-year-old, 20-year-old Pink records. I like and Pink. They're, they're, they're cool. They're just cool. So right. maybe it is, maybe maybe production and maybe a producer is is the next level for a number of artists out there that are currently kind of just, you know, they're doing great work, but they're just on hold as far as being discovered. So, so what does that mean for the artist then? If like that's the next level that they have to potentially get to, like, well, not get to, but like utilize in order to get to the next level that they're wanting to go to. Does that always mean that they have to pay a ton for it? Or like, what does that look like? Well, first they have to realize it. I agree. They have to realize, have the vision of what they want themselves to sound like. I agree. And then find the person that can bring it and, and get it out of them, you know? And I think partially you're right. I think partially, Nicole, it is money. Because a lot of these are the real good guys that, you know, even today, even though it's cheaper than it used to be, no more 50, 100,000 bucks at the top, 25,000 a song. Those days are done for the most part, but still, you know, they, they cost money. Just as there are artists that are out there ready, I think there are all actually producers out there that are ready to. Right. And so I always thought that was how it should be. Finding those folks. To me, I always felt with any artist, you know, going back to whenever, every great artist, the producer broke with them. I think a lot of these guys, when they go for name, name producers, it's a mistake sometimes because they already did their thing. Sometimes it's better for a young producer to match up with a young artist and together they make their name. Yeah, really. I mean, really, it just sounds like it comes down to the relationship that the producer and the artist have together once the artist actually has the vision of how they want to sound. Yeah, so let's hear another tune from uh, maybe April. Let's do um, Already Gone. That's probably, uh, I like it a lot. I like that tune a lot. It's really cool. It's from their latest album, The Other Side. Yes. You smoke cigarettes just to piss me off So go ahead and draw it in Cause tonight they're all you've got I'm tired of being second best that gets you higher than I can Don't you wanna love something That can really love you back 
I can really love you back Oh, why can't I be What you put me Enough at the end of a good or a bad day When something else comes along I know you'll be gone Then you come back like it never even happened Cause every step you take back to me Is one you're gonna make to leave again I miss you like you're already gone Come and go Makes me believe in ghosts I feel you when I see But you're not really here, I know Why do I run after you? Crying, calling Trying to change your mind Why can't I just change mine? Oh, why can't I be What you want me Enough at the end of a good or a bad day Or something else comes along I know you'll be gone other side of that song. <laughs> uh, so that was already gone. Um, I don't know. Personally, that song to me, I like how they do the play on lyrics with that one. To me, the way that they say, you know, the way you come and go makes me believe in a ghost. That just like pulls me in immediately. because It's just to me, it's relatable on a different level, probably. But I, I personally really like that song a lot. Seems to be the topic for you. I don't want to sound but so many, you know, female writers and always seem to write about how 
men kind of suck. So for them, and just because they are younger, but like the experiences that they've written about, they've already went through it or they're going through it right now. And when you, like as a female, if if you're going through it, you just relate to it more. Right. Like it's like even with Truth Is and Already Gone and the other track that we'll play at the end of this. I mean, for me, I relate to it because it brings me immediately back to whatever they're talking about, whether it's a breakup that I went through that was really bad or um, the fact that I was in, in a relationship I shouldn't have been in. So like their lyrics just play to more female um, right. They articulate it in a cool way. They they do. And I mean, men do suck sometimes. So <laughs> Anyway, but you know, Greg had a cool idea. You were talking about today being mothers and about, you know, music. I don't know about you, but we kind of form our initial musical tastes sometimes through our parents. Don't mm-hmm. you think? Young people in their 20s, teens are walking around listening to like the Eagles or, or, or the Stones. And how are they getting, how do they know about that stuff? Probably because their parents played those records when they were young and, and they kind of they grew into it. So, yeah, well, I was, I've been thinking a lot about my mom today. I mean, she, right. she was a fantastic person. She's gone now, but and, you know, I started thinking about the idea that, well, music has framed my entire life. So did I get that from her or from my parents? The fact of the matter is that my father was extremely musical. He was he was kind of a prodigy player. He They used to call it playing by ear, but he could sit down at a piano or, or sit really? down uh, to this. an organ that he bought. And um he could literally play anything by ear. It was it was fascinating to see. And when I started becoming a musician when I was a kid, you know, he bought me a, a, a set of Ludwig drums that would probably now pay a few mortgage payments if I still had them and I right. wanted, wanted to let go of them. But he bought me an old set of Ludwig drums and we would sit in the, um, in the TV room and he had one of these silly Lowry circa mid-70s. Morgan organs with the volume pedal and it actually had bass pedals down down below and he would sit and we would play for hours and it was just amazing to watch he could literally play anything so he was really kind of the biggest musical influence in my upbringing but i was thinking today about mom and about what her tastes were and whether or not i got anything uh, you know from her as far as uh love of music or inspiration to to keep music in my life. It's funny. She had a, she had a very, very kind of a commercial taste, right? So I don't think I ever saw my mother purchase a piece of music. She never bought an album or a record. They play the or, radio. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think she kind of listened to the radio. I mean, she had artists that she, that she loved. She was a huge Tom Jones fan. I went with my mom to see Tom Jones at West Bay Music Fair. Isn't that incredible? So your mom was a, a Tom Jones fan too. As a matter of fact, she actually preferred Engelbert Humperdinck. I can't believe you said that because my mom was a big Engelbert Humperdinck fan too. And Nicole, you're you're probably going to be lost on these references. I don't, <laughs> no, you know, not but, as lost as you think I would be. So. Uh, okay, cool, cool. My mother's favorite. She had a few favorite songs, and one was "My Love" by Petula Clark. I hear that song, you know, I, I cry. You know? It was that "Elusive Butterfly" by Bob Lynn. And she loved Hang On Sloopy. Those are her three <laughs> biggest songs. My mom went through a period where she was really into Marty Robbins, which is, in retrospect, really cool now. Because if I go back and listen to Marty Robbins, it's um, it reminds me of her. Her favorite song was kind of a, a 50s hit. 
I'm trying to think. I'm I'm thinking. I don't know who did the iconic version. Maybe the Four Lads or something. But it was a song, an old song called "Love Is a Mini Splendored Thing." It's a great song. Very dramatic and orchestrated and interesting. But the lyric is pretty crazy, pretty magical in, in, in the last verse. Andy Williams. Yeah. Well, I mean, tons of people cut it. The definitive version, um, I think, is Four Lads. But we'll have to go. We'll have to go back and check and we can stick it in the show notes. But I mean, it, it's like the lyric is ridiculous. You know, once on a high and windy hill. You know, two lovers something and kissed and the world stood still it's crazy stuff but here's something silly another one of my stupid stories well, you know i have an andy williams story you know um oh i do too i i want to tell my andy williams story. well but i'll tell you i'll tell my silly one first and you can tell your more sensible one <laughs> mine was it's not even mine it's a story that a friend of mine told me that she was in Dwayne reed or cvs one day and there was this old gentleman about 10 years ago in a sweater you know, in front of her online, right? And she and she did some other show. He goes, "Excuse me, sir." She goes, "Yes." He goes, "You look so much like Andy Williams." And he goes, "I am Andy Williams." That's so cool. And, you know, it's so it was kind of funny. So yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Lousy joke. My Andy Williams story is a little. I mean, it's kind of sad and poignant. But um, so. I don't think people recognize what a titan of the entertainment industry Andy Williams was, but he was absolutely huge, you know, for many, many years. And so I don't recall what year it is. I need to go back and check. But uh, I guess about 15 years ago, maybe, maybe less, uh, I went out to the Grammys. You know, they had, you know, this giant red carpet with a tent over the top and, you know, kind of everybody files in and then everybody files out after the show. Up ahead of me, I was leaving and most people had gone, but I was leaving and there were people, you know, coming towards me and, you know, they were all kind of frenzied and, and not really paying attention to what they were doing. Everybody was kind of in their own head and i see this little frail dude like walking up ahead of me and he's got two bags full of i don't know swag or whatever the case may be and so trying to get around him and so i get around him and we get to the place where the cars are coming up to uh pick folks up and i look behind me and it's andy williams and uh, you know i'm a big andy williams fan so i said mr williams did you enjoy the show and he says yes yes very much and i said um yeah, it was, a, it was a long walk back to this parking lot, right? And he's like, yeah, but I made it. And I thought to myself, you know, there were a bunch of people clamoring around, kind of pushing and shoving a little bit at some point. And I thought to myself, I'm the only guy standing on this red carpet that knows who this guy is. And it, it was- or who just, cared, right? Or who cared, right? And, you know, I thanked him for all the years of incredible work that he had done. And he was like, well, thank Aww. you very much. Yeah, there you go. So, and then he got picked up by some person in a Prius, you know, it's like, it's, a, and off he went. I helped him with the bag. I agree. I think we live in a very disposable society. I think. Exactly. Um, well, that happened to me. I had a similar kind of story when I met, I bumped into Paul Williams a few years back, you know, at LaGuardia. Nobody knew who he was and he looked kind of lost. I went up to him and said, you need help? He goes, how do you get, and I just remember talking to him for 10 minutes and uh, 
You know, well, you I, know, you know what a big fan of Paul Williams. Oh yeah, I, I just, and, I, and then I, after I, that, I'd seen that cool documentary he did. It's an extraordinary documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's called "Still Alive." Right? Or is it Paul yeah. Williams Check dead? It right? Out. You forget. You know, again, we'll we'll date ourselves, but he was huge. Not only did he write all those Carpenter songs, all those great songs, Three Dog Night." But he was like on Love Boat, always on Johnny Carson. He was on all those TV shows. We should do we should do a podcast dedicated to Paul Williams because and it should be it should be a three hour it should be a three hour podcast. Yeah, I don't think many people know, but he's the head of ASCAP right now. Correct? Yep, he's a very smart guy. So Nicole, we've been spending a few minutes in the time warp here, so I'm going to be interested to hear what kind of music your mom liked. It's interesting because no one in my family, so like mother, father, grandfather, um, grandparents or anyone like that really was a music person. And my mother basically always had the radio on. No matter where we were from the time we woke up until we got home from school, the radio was on. And she, to this day, will still listen to um, Elvis Duran and the Z Morning Zoo or whatever it's called now um, in New York. And she is a diehard. If that is not on when we wake up and she's not listening to it, she's not happy. So we were kind of influenced more by the mainstream um, sounds that were coming out because that's the only exposure we really had. And we discovered new music that way, which is kind of crazy because that's not how you guys discover new music. Um, But it's interesting because knowing what they play on the mainstream radio now and being a mom, I would never let my daughter listen to it. (laughs) It's just, to me, it's not appealing anymore. It's when it like, I feel like I, as a listener have evolved and I just don't enjoy what they're playing on the radio. I enjoy finding the things on Spotify and, and other, and just finding artists and discovering them and being able to follow them as opposed to listening to them on the radio. Radio. My mom, however, still does. And it's funny because now that we're grown and we have kids and, and we're kind of starting to influence them and how they learn music and what we would like to um, allow them to do with that. I mean, my daughter's not even two yet, but she she loves to just hear music. I, as a daughter, am now influencing my mother's music. And she appreciates that. Yeah, she appreciates that now because she's not someone to like sit down and take the time and look for things. And I'll send her songs and say, hey, listen, I think you'll like this. Or these artists are really great. They're local. Like, look them up. And that's kind of, yeah. And it's kind of how- People have talked about this for years, but there's one theory out there that what we heard and what we consumed when we were 10 years old is basically the stuff that we revert back to when we get into our third act. Uh, and if I think about that, I was 10 years old in 1970. So, and that's absolutely where my ear has gone for the last five or six years is, you know, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, all of the seventies and, you know, some like kind of weird, obscure garage stuff from the, from the sixties. That kind of segues us nicely into the last song by Maybe April. Yeah. A song called You Were My Young, about, you know, being younger. There you have it. Last spot, Kroger parking lot, blue bubble gum, every time it pops, backyard, backs on the trampoline. Stars looking down, wishing all you need Stop signs, cause there was one on your road Red lights, and all the kisses that you stole 
plaid flannel shirts that keep me warm Think I still got one of yours Sixteen, seventeen, numbers didn't mean a thing We could do anything as long as I was in your arms Ain't a corner in this town that we didn't go around forever Had a nice sound till eighteen, broke our hearts You were my first, first, thought you were the one, two, three Little words and then we grew up But you were my by Mabry April. This song for me, honestly, it brings me just back to high school and like the relationships I had and how really at the end of the day, like you just didn't see past it. Like you really thought in that moment. It was forever. When you were dating, like that was it. Like this, there's nothing but this and it's only going to be this. And I like her line. Yeah. 16, 17 numbers didn't mean a thing. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So I don't know. This song just plays to my, uh, my high school boyfriends and, you know, the fact that I definitely am happy I'm not with them now. But that's what a song should do. Mm-hmm. A song, you know, I guess at its best, you know, can bring you to a moment. Am I correct, Greg? You know, like... I feel that way. And then, of course, when you hear something in real time and then, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, you hear it again, if you're lucky enough, you know, sometimes it, it takes you back there, you know? So people listen nostalgically. You know, I know you accuse me of being like, completely obsessed with nostalgia, but... I, I'm totally nostalgic uh, when it comes to music. You know, it used to be considered a mental disorder, right? 
You aware of that? I was not aware of that. Like being nostalgic? Nostalgia is actually, if you Google it, nostalgia comes up as a mental disorder. And I'm okay with being completely crazy. Really? Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, I mean, I guess it's for people that, you know, kind of preferred to live in the past versus, um, uh, you know, deal with life on life's terms into the future. But I mean, I confess, it's my happy place. I, I like going back. So what's wrong with grandma? Oh, she's okay, but she's got a little, she's, a little touch of nostalgia. She's, she's, <laughs> she's nostalgia. She's, she's, she's eating. So what's wrong with Uncle Greg? She's eating well, up with the nostalgia. He's a good guy, but he's got that nostalgia going on. So he's, <laughs> Basic, I, it's, it's probably going to kill him. <laughs> basically, you're just saying you know, we're may, all a little it, crazy sometimes. You know, I, I just, you know, do you guys have a quotes happy place oh yeah of course i think everyone does i don't necessarily think it's a it's a certain place in time like from my past but there's always things that like i look back on every now and then and uh, i'm grateful for that being happened and and kind of where it led me to today so that's kind of how i look at my happy places how is the past kind of it affected how my future came out and did i make the choices to be happy today you know, one thing that's really interesting about living digitally and, you know, thinking about our mothers, I mean, my mom is, she effectively has no digital life, you know, and she's gone now. My father's gone and he has no digital life to speak of. What's interesting is, and the other name that comes up when we do these podcasts, it's come up a few times is Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's he said something really interesting recently. He said that, you know, we may think that we're, you know, looking towards the future and we may think we're contemporary and we're doing this podcast and we're, you know, we're kind of on top of stuff. He said, but what we're really doing is 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, all our digital life that we're creating, it's actually going to be a resource for our great grandchildren. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It's like, you know, my great grandchildren and the children after that are going to be able to go out and with the click of a mouse or a twitch of their nose or whatever the case may be uh, many years into the future, they're going to know me much better than um, I knew my you know, great grandparents because we, we're, we're creating these records, these documents. It's an archive. You know, see, I, I have mixed views about technology on some aspect. In some ways, I think it's ruined society. But one thing I wish I would have loved to have an iPhone back when I was 18 and 17. I'd love to have old iPhone videos of me growing up when I was a kid hanging out with my friends. Yeah, because I don't have that. We don't have that. So, and this brings me back to nostalgia now. Um, because I had the old Nokia's when I was 16 or 17. So I probably have just a different take on this, but I don't necessarily enjoy the fact that we have a lot of digital stuff right now because I don't feel like anyone has any choice in being able to share what they want when they want sometimes. It's almost like a little bit of a demand of society. And I mean, this is just thinking about my daughter too and and wanting her to choose like what videos we take, what videos we send and and whatnot. But for me, I actually enjoy looking at pictures and things that are a little bit older that maybe doesn't necessarily pinpoint exactly what was going on in that moment, but gives you the like a little bit of the context of it. I would have loved to see videos of me at five going, so Carl, what do you think of the world? And have (laughs) me sitting there talking, a pontificate little five-year-old kid and see the stupid stuff I said. I'd love to have that. You know, I know my nephews have that. They have 
videos of them doing that. So, you know, it would be anyway, but we're getting kind of we're getting lost. Yeah, we're getting lost in this. There's nothing wrong with getting touchy feely and and well, I think we're coming down on a bit of that nostalgia. So, we better this is the Mother's Day special. (laughs) So, okay, well, I think we should say goodbye. Goodbye, uh, goodbye, goodbye, everyone. Um, happy Mother's Day out there. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, so for everyone listening, remember to go to the number 94 and the letters 20 twenty.com for this episode and show notes and more and make sure that you subscribe on the devices that you have so that you get these episodes in real time and do not miss out on anything and we'll talk to you guys next week take care bye, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs>